Uh, we were talking just recently. We did a little road trip through the mountains and took a few days off, and um, we had a chance to discuss scriptures and discuss the things of, of God. And so we were talking about the story of the prodigal son, and uh, we just thought we'd just read the scripture and discuss that a bit. I think there's some things we can glean from it. Oh, yeah. Um, if you've ever been the prodigal son, <laughs> maybe you can relate to to that in some ways. Or if you've if you've had a prodigal son or daughter that's had to come back home mm-hmm. to uh, to the things of God and that sort of thing, um, you you understand from that perspective. So anyway, I think we can all relate to it in some way. Yes, for sure. So Scarlett, why don't you read those scriptures? Okay, I'll read a little bit. Give the reference so people can read along. Yeah, Luke chapter 15, and we'll start with verse 11. I'll just read down a little ways here. It says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided them uh, his living. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance yes. with riotous living. Yeah. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began uh, to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with a husk of the swine and did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, yes, <laughs> he said, how many hired servants of my father's have, have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger, and I, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose. And came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto the father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger or his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring Hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Amen. Keep reading. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what things these meant, what these things meant. Yeah. And he said unto the father, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in, therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years I do serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son, thy son, hath come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. And it was meet that we should make merry 
and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost uh, was lost and is found. <clears throat> what a what a classic, great story that that is from the from the word. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've I've been I've been hearing this story my entire life, literally, in in the churches that I grew up in, that my dad pastored, and and then later and. Uh, I think most, most gospel evangelical, uh, churches, uh, you know, have this new story, you know, oh, yeah. read Sunday school material. I heard it and, most of my life. Yeah. And, uh, there's been such an emphasis. I just want you to see the whole picture here. Uh, you know, every scripture is important. So there's not part of the story that's good and the rest of it, you know, the heart of the watermelon and throw out the rind, you know, right. the whole thing's important. That's and, true. uh, so, you know, there's been, there's always been an emphasis, <laughs> probably trying to control teenagers in church. <laughs> so if you can preach this from, you can preach this if you're not careful from a standpoint of a lot of guilt and shame and condemnation. And right. you need to go home with your tail tucked between your legs and, you know, mm-hmm. be very sorrowful and all that. There's, there's that side. That's the part I heard most of the time. You know, are you the prodigal? And if you are, this is what you need to do. And, and but very little emphasis about the father's attitude mm-hmm. and who that represents. Yeah. And then the brother's attitude and who that represents. Yeah. So we need to look tonight at that. So let's look at, at traditionally at the, at the prodigal. Certainly, you know, he was foolish. And there's a story there, you know, there's a, there's an admonition, isn't there? There's yes. a teaching that if we go away from father's table, we go away from God, we, we drift away into a life of what does the Bible say? Riotous living. Yeah. Just, just throw it all away. Uh, there's sorrow at the end of that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's pain and suffering. Yeah. Um, but I love it. It says when he came to himself, you know, he, yeah. he, he self-corrected. And, uh, and went with a contrite heart back to the father and was very, um, uh, remorseful, regretful, mm-hmm. um, repentant, you know, for his failure. Right. So we see that. And I think there's a lesson there, obviously. And we've all been taught that probably to, you know, over and over yeah. a, a lot, but I want you to see tonight. Um, the attitude of the father, which represents father God. I believe that this is a story that represents God the father. Yes. And you'll notice something about it that the Bible tells us that while, you know, there, there's almost an, there's almost an attitude in the church world that we, that God's mad at us mm-hmm. and, and un, un, or, or not receiving of us because of our sin, our failures, our lack um, of morality and that kind of thing. And so that only when we're repentant, only when we feel really bad about what we did, and only when we come back hat in hand to God, that he says, well, okay, I'll forgive you and 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 all, you know, but we're going to really watch you for a while and see how well you do you know, this is the attitude of what we think, how how it's demonstrated, I think, and, right. and modeled yeah. in front of us. But in reality, 
The Bible tells us that while this, this see this just really I can't get to the bottom of it. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. So God made the first move towards us. It wasn't like like we feel really bad. Let's go go crawling back to God. Right. God made the first move. And I want you to see here that as the prodigal was approaching the father, the father ran to him. And he didn't know. I mean, the the son may have been coming back to say, I need more money to go back and, you know. Right. I mean, it, we're talking prostitutes here. Yeah. He's, you know, the, the brother at least accused him of of harlots and that kind of thing. That's right. And so harlots kind of an old English term for prostitute. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was hiring prostitutes using his inheritance for something as awful as that. Right. And that's about as bad as it gets, you know, mm-hmm. I think. And uh so here he is, you know, just living like the devil, as we'd say, that's morals right. of a back alley cat. Mm-hmm. And um, so the father doesn't really know. I mean, I mean, God, the father would know. I know. Don't please don't write me. God knows everything. I get that. I really do. <laughs> but um, in the story, the 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 father here, uh, not father God, but the father in the story, the prodigal's father, he doesn't know. He doesn't know if he's coming back to ask for more money. He doesn't know if the son's coming to yell at him and scream at him and say, you know, you, you're not helping me and I'm, you know, you're the problem or why did you ever let me leave? Or you don't know what's going to be the argument. But uh, the son comes, of course, is very contrite. But before the son repents to the father, before he states his purpose of coming home, the father runs to meet him first. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a picture or an example a father God who loves uh, before we knew him, before he we loved him, he loved us. Yes. So I want you to see if you are the prodigal tonight and you're watching and you're thinking, yeah, hey, I've been away from God. I've been away from the word and, you know, church and that kind of thing and not living right. I want you to know that God's not standing here tonight with his arms folded and you're really on the bad list, mm-hmm. and he's got an eyebrow up and his arms folded to see if you really mean it this time. And you know you're okay, you're but you're on probation, you know somehow you're on the probation program with the Lord. Um, I don't really see that in the word probation program, um, but I, with God. There certainly was. There is one in the legal system. Mm-hmm. If you're on that, please report to your probation officer <laughs> and don't be stupid, you know. But I mean, I'm talking about if you in in the terms of God's kingdom, you know. I don't see this probationary thing. God watching to see. Well, he messed up. Well, I, I don't know. Let's make sure he doesn't do it again. I mean, this is not this this is not the father no. that is being described here. This father. Runs to meet him and notice, uh, the condition that the son is in. He's, he's dirty. You know, he's gotta be. Oh, yeah. He's been feeding the pigs. Right. He's dirty. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he smells badly. I'm sure that he doesn't even have shoes. I guess he sold the shoes or probably got them stolen. Right. Um, you know, but he's, he has no shoes. He, he doesn't have proper clothing. 
He's dirty. He smells bad. He's been with the pigs. Uh, I mean, this is a, 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 a tough situation. And the father kisses him and receives him and says, my son is home. And then he celebrates what he's really celebrating is the sonship. Yeah. He's celebrating the, uh, the position. Right. That the son has in this family. Yes. And it's obviously a very wealthy man because, you know, he's got enough, he's got enough, well, first of all, for the son to have like this trust fund thing. Yeah. Well, you know, poor people don't have those. Mm -mm. So he's obviously a wealthy man. He's given his son a pre-inheritance or whatever. Um, There was obviously more money from where that came from because They've got musicians. They've got, he's got servants. Mm-hmm. He's telling more than one servant, go get the ring, go get the robe, yeah. go get the clothing, go, go kill the fatted calf. You know, he's given instructions to like a household staff. That's right. And so this is not, this is not a little tiny hut in the village. This is, you know, a, a, a grand house. This mm-hmm. is a, a major situation here. Yes. And so here's the, here's the, uh, Here's the dad saying, you know, hey, I, I, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing everything to show the world that you're still my son, even though you're, you know, you're dirty and messed up. And so isn't it something that the love of God, the love of the father overwhelmed the filth and the mistakes that had been made? Right. And, um, so would you like to, Sure. Well, you know, um, and that you were uh, likening that to our Father yeah. God, and I think that uh, we have to look at the scripture that says He's God's rich in mercy, ready to forgive, and that's the the way you find this Father. Yeah. He was so ready to forgive oh, yeah. whatever he had decided condition. already to forgive, right? Yes. And, and and he didn't even say anything to his son. I mean, he could have just let him have it. Like you yeah. Said. <laughs> and, and make him swear an oath. Don't you promise you won't do this again? Yeah, no. and you dirty dog. You spent yeah. all the money and yeah. wasted it. And I mean, he could have yeah. gone on and on. You owe me. Lecturing him. And he didn't say anything. In fact, this is interesting to me. The prodigal son said um, the word unworthy. And I think so many times that uh, grips us when we've done something wrong. We feel like we've done something wrong is we feel so unworthy. And he, you know, the father didn't say you unworthy thing. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't even say anything about that. He's he's again focusing on sonship. Yes. You know, not his uh, what he's done right or wrong or how he's conducted his life. But it's all about the position of sonship. Yes. You know, uh, we both have children. We love our children. Yes. No matter if they act nice or act mean or act, you know, what they say or what they do. Yeah. They're, you know, our daughters and our sons and, and, you know, right. it's, it's a, the, it, it's just a higher level of love and acceptance. It is. And, you know, the Bible says if we being natural or carnal know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more? How much more is the Heavenly Father? He's so much better than we are and so much more loving. Yes. And and he's a lot gooder than we are. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, that picture is so beautiful. And and really, I didn't think about it too much uh, from this perspective until we were talking the other day in the car. And I thought this would be so good to share with people. Yeah. That's why we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, then the third entity in this person, the third person in this story 
is the elder brother, and we have to take a look at him. Yeah. And so I've often said, who do you identify with in the story? The prodigal, the father. Maybe you're in a position that you that you need to, you know, forgive some people or whatever, and look at say, well, I don't know if I can do that. I just uh, I'm so tired of being taken advantage of and that kind of thing. I don't know. And it's like, well, according to if you'll identify with God's love, you know, uh, that's another scripture we need to look at sometime. Another look at the love chapter. Yeah. Because so oftentimes the love chapter is taught as, now this is the standard and you need to try to keep it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like you're competing with Jesus, you know. <laughs> this is, what would Jesus do? That's what you need to do. Well, you know, okay, I'll try. But <laughs> I'm not Jesus. I'm full of God and I'm a joint heir with Christ. But you know, I, I think I have more problems than Jesus did. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And so you can see that, um, you know, it's like, it's always, it's always held up the love chapter is this is the kind of love you need to walk in. And, but if you look at it from the classic amplified, you know, um, Bible, uh, it's, it'll say God, it'll say love. And then in brackets or parentheses, it says God's love in us. Mm-hmm. So this is a description. The love chapter is a description of God's love. Mm-hmm. So go apply that standard right. where it says love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Yeah. The father is obviously in this story. He's not offended at the son. No. He's not, uh, he's not angry. If he was angry, he got over it. But I mean, you know, he's not angry. Uh, I'm sure he was concerned. But he also, I, I also noticed this, that in, in the exercise of the free will, that the father noticed did not send emissaries mm-hmm. after the son. He could have, he had money, he could have hired people to go track him down, drag him back, <laughs> screaming and kicking. And now no, listen to me, you're not going to behave like this. You're embarrassing the whole family and you got a family name to uphold and all this. It, it didn't happen. I mean, he just, he let him go his way, you know, it's like let him, you know, in a, in a way, uh, learn his lesson. Mm-hmm. And God will do that with us too. He will let us, you know, you don't have, he will say, well, is God making me do this? And God doesn't make you do anything. No. He doesn't even make you become a believer, even though that's his will. Yeah. So God's not in the, God is not codependent. <laughs> He's not a control freak. He's not easily offended, touchy, fretful, seeks his own way even. No. Think about that. You know, God will have his way no matter what. You know, where, what Bible are these people reading? You know, I don't know. It's just, it, it presents an image of God that is just not really good. Right. And, uh, as in, if you mess with God, he'll just smear you all over the wall, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that this is, this is the wrong image. I, I don't blame some people for not wanting to be Christians with what they've heard. Of course. It's like, why would you sign up for Hitler, you know, <laughs> to be your, you know, somebody your father? They've got Hitler. They've got Adolf Hitler and God mixed up together, you know, some way. And, uh, or, you know, Mussolini or somebody, <laughs> you know, or some dictator that, uh, you know, one day he blesses you and the next he slaps you down and, you know, you don't know. And I've actually heard that. Well, you never know. You never know. You better be careful. You never know. He's going to get you. 
And it's like, well, I think I better hide from him then. <laughs> you know, praise the Lord. You know, put a bag over your head and a smiley face sticker. <laughs> and so that God doesn't know you. <laughs> please don't write me and say he knows you anyway. Please, <laughs> I got it. I got it. But anyway, um, uh, I was just thinking about the, again, if you relate to the father, you know, you might be in a position in life where you need to relate to the father. Yeah. Uh, more than relating to the prodigal. Right. And then there's the brother who represents a lot of church folk. <laughs> and he's jealous of, isn't that something he says? Where's my fatted calf yeah. party with dancers and musicians? And I mean, this is an expensive party. You know, if you ever put on a party and you hire musicians and, and, uh, singers and dancers and everything, you know, you're going to have a pretty big bill. Well, this is not a cheap party. Right. And he says, where's my celebration dinner? Where's <laughs> my big deal? Yeah. I towed the line and done everything. Right. I followed <laughs> the teachings of the church. You know, <laughs> I've seen that face. That's the reason I can make it. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's like, uh, and what do I ever get? You know, I don't get anything. And, and that, he's actually a problem because he's accusing the father of being unjust. Right. And unfair. He wants the brother to pay, to suffer. Yeah. He wants the brother to pay the price. Yeah. And so, at any rate, um, the brother again represents judgmental, uh, legalism, judgmentalism. Yeah. Uh, condemnation. Right. He, he gets some kind of pleasure out of seeing people pay the price for, you know, the I told you so and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And, and pride. So, pride and arrogance and it's really bad. I mean, I, he's actually, do you, please don't identify with him. But if you see the spirit or the attitude of the brother in you, then you need to make some corrections, I think, and yeah. get rid of that because it's not the spirit of Christ. Right. Is it? No. And it's not. not, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not an attitude we want to emulate. Right. And so. And he, he feels like he deserved it and he is, you know, he is worthy and he is worthy. My yeah. brother's the scum of the earth. And really it, it doesn't matter. What we have done or haven't done as far as right. we are still sons of, and daughters of God. And I think that that's such a beautiful point made here. And, um, you know, there, there, there's consequences to doing wrong things. Yeah. Uh, he lost all his money and, you know, that, and the one that, uh, was there working and doing, uh, what was right before his father and all. Yeah. Uh, his father said, you could have had any party any time you wanted a party, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, that's what he said. available to you all the time. He said, and that's true, too. And so never never feel like that. Or maybe you have a person that, um, you know, maybe like in the ministry, you know, you'll see a, a minister that has really messed up. I mean, done wrong. Maybe he's been accused of adultery or. Or, or something that's really been awful. Mm-hmm. And if you have, I, I'll just speak for myself. I have to watch my heart because, you know, they, they come in all prodigal like and everybody starts celebrating them before you know it, you know, 
somebody's given them a church with 1,200 members and whatever, and they're just going and blowing. And you go, well, what about me? I've been here faithful and picking and a grinning, and I don't, you know. And <laughs> these are attitudes that you have to deal with. Yeah. I mean, I think this stuff is in the word for a reason. Oh, I did too. For us to judge ourselves by the word. The Bible says if we'll judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. That's right. And um, so if I catch myself being resentful or, uh, as Scarlet calls it, the green-eyed monster, <laughs> jealous, uh, hey, we all deal with this. We all deal with jealousy and covetousness. Yeah. You know, somebody gets a nicer car than we have or whatever and we go, what do they need with that? My Lord, I want it in there. You know, before you know it, you're and you're going, what do you care? Did they ask you to help pay for it? I mean, you know, um, you know, I, I'm just saying that that if we're not careful, we can become instead of the number one person we want to be in this story is like the father. Yeah. But if we find ourselves being outside and the prodigal, at least I always say to the prodigals, go home, at least yes. just go home yes. and give uh, it, spiritually. I'm saying go home. Right. You yeah. know, maybe you're watching tonight. You've been away from God. You haven't been doing the things of God and you feel con- condemnation about it. Listen, get into Christ. Yeah. The, Paul said, in Christ, there is no condemnation. Mm-hmm. In fact, he said in Romans 7, this is another lesson, but uh, another night, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but Paul said, the things that I find myself, just in myself, my flesh, the things that I want to do, I don't do. Mm-hmm. The things that I hate, that's what I end up doing. Right. Anybody that's ever fallen off their diet <laughs> can relate to that. I'm not going to eat another carb. And then you, you know, you're at the store and they've got salt and vinegar potato <laughs> chips, which are all carbs. And so you, you, um, you know, you buy those and I'll just eat this one bag. And, but you get the jumbo bag, the family <laughs> pack, you know, I don't know. Anyway, you know, you're, so the thing you hate is what you end up doing is something as simple as that. But sometimes it's really something more serious. And Paul, I think, was talking about very serious things because he did all manner of evil, you know. And uh, But Paul said, the things that I, I hate is what I end up doing. He said, who, who shall deliver me from, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? So when we become, I don't know, when we try to just live by our moral standard yeah. instead of in Christ, we all end up prodigal. Yeah. We all end up. We've all, but see, us church folks, we know how to cover it and we know how to, you know, look the part and do the thing. Mm-hmm. But really, we, in, in a way, we can all have a prodigal heart and not realize it, that we've drifted away from yeah. the father. And why? I mean, I think the son realized I'm better off at my dad's yeah. place because at least there's, food and drink and clothing and gold rings and there's, you know, there's celebration and I'm a son there and, and, uh, and, um, the, you know, the blessings are there. So we get a prodigal heart and before you know it, we've drifted away and we're out trying to feed the pigs and wish we could eat the pig food and 
pig farmer won't give us any and you know and, and, and we're or we're so you have a choice live in the pig pen or live in the in the castle with the father. Amen. Yeah. And so spiritually, Paul said in the end of Romans seven, he said, Who notice he didn't say what? Which program? Three steps to victory. You know, mm-hmm. none of that. He said, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? There's not a what. There's not a well if I join that denominational church It'll help me better than the current one I'm in, or right. I'm going to go to, you know, some other group. No, that's the, the nothing has the answer but Jesus. That's true. And, um, you know, we used to sing the Andre Kraut song, Jesus is the answer mm-hmm. for the world today. What we need to sing now is Jesus is the answer for the church. Yeah. <laughs> because the church is looking everywhere but Jesus for the answer. Mm. You know, well, maybe if we paint the walls black and put a smoke machine in and, and, uh, you know, scantily clad the singer, the women, you know, it will have a, will really, the world will want us. Why would they want us? They, I mean, they've already done that. You know, they're, right? I mean, yeah. the world is way ahead of us in sensual perceptions. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do is have Jesus as the answer. Amen. And I'm not going to throw a rock at anybody else, but I'm just saying for me, um, I can tell if I'm developing a prodigal attitude. I'm going to just do it my way. Yeah. And then you have to come back to Father and realize that he's running to meet you. Yeah. You're never having to bang on the door. Mm-hmm. And he's going, who is it? Is it that sorry son of mine? Well, you just tell him that the next time, hey, you know. I mean, this is not the attitude of the Father, is not it? Not at all. No. So then sometimes we might be like the Father where we need to to show some mercy and grace. Yeah. And then we certainly don't want to be the brother. <laughs> but I think it takes self-judging to stay right with all this. It really does. Yeah. And um, again, you know, the, the prodigal saying I'm unworthy and the brother actually saying I am worthy. Neither one really. <laughs> I mean, it's Jesus that makes us worthy. Because who's to say what we've done that we think we're so worthy, but we're really not worthy. I mean, just that attitude of I've done all this and I'm worthy is right. just, like we said a while ago, haughtiness and pride. And I right. think that's one of the worst things that well, we can possibly do. If you've got a merit-based, performance-based relationship with God and the things of God, you will always end up a Pharisee. Yeah. Always. Because you'll say... Listen, I, I will tell you the story. I, I had a, when I first came to Tampa many years ago, there was a local radio, actually it was a nationwide network of radio stations, but I was on the radio on a program and, uh, that we had for a while. And the, I was explaining some, 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 some aspects of grace and righteousness. Mm-hmm. This was an evangelical group, uh, and in fact, um, I think most of them were Baptists. They said they were from, you know, Southern Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. Praise God, you know, for the Baptists. I mean, they, they've certainly gotten a lot of people saved in this world and, and all that. So this isn't a rock at anybody, but just to show you what can happen. And so the, as I, as I was explaining, uh, just, you know, there is therefore no, now no condemnation and, and that, you know, we're saved by grace. Uh, Ephesians 2a is a, such an important 
foundational verse. Mm -hmm. We're saved by grace through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Right. And my God, you know, believers need to read that scripture and remind themselves. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't mean you don't do the right thing. It doesn't mean, oh, I don't have to go to church. I don't have to tithe. I don't have to participate. Well, you, you don't have to. You don't have to breathe either. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. It's not about that. But if we're not careful, we'll try to earn yeah. what is only available by accepting yes. the gift that God has given us. So, at any rate, I'm talking to this radio lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is years ago. I don't think there's any fear of offending anyone here. Mm-hmm. And she is being touched by the scriptures that I'm sharing with her. And this is not on the radio. This is talking about the kind of, she wanted to know before they give me a contract, well, what kind of program are you going to have? What kind of preaching is this? So it's got to fit our standard, you know, and our, everything. So, cause it's a real clean group. So I said, well, clean doctrinally too. They didn't want some weird thing. Right. So I said, um, I was explaining, you know, what we believe Ephesians 2, 8 and all that. And, uh, Paul's revelation. She started crying. Tears was running down her face. Mm-hmm. This is the radio manager here in Tampa. And I, she said, my sister, she said, my sister was a Baptist Sunday school teacher her entire adult life. And she said, she's in, she's in serious trouble right now. I said, why? And she said, well, she was the most legalistic rule spouting Christian you've ever met in your life. She said, I love her. She's my sister. But she said, my sister, boy, she could, she could tell you the rules. She could, you know, um, identify everybody's sin. She's the kind that would uh, confront someone, you know, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like confront them about how they're living and what they're doing wrong and, and quote the scripture at them and, Really condemn them, you know, make them feel terrible. And, and he's, and she said she was just so, you know, not only, she was like Saul before the conversion where she was, <laughs> she, she was not only following the rules, but she was enforcing them. Mm. Now that goes hand in hand, legalism and judgmentalism. They like each other a lot, you know. Right, yeah. And then, you know, if you add my upbringing, add a lot of externalism to it, you know, what people, what, don't cut your hair and don't wear makeup and, right. you know, or use nair because God likes hairy women. But anyway, <laughs> um, the, the, so if you, if you apply a lot of fundamentalist groups, not just Pentecostal, uh, but a lot of fundamentalist groups back in the day, not so much now, but back years ago, uh, there was a lot of externalism. Mm-hmm. You had to wear clothing that looked a certain, it, 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 as long as it's 20 years, as long as it's 20 years out of style, you're good to go. <laughs> God has no sense of style whatsoever. So, you know, you have, and he hates the latest thing. Actually, I hate the latest thing now. It's ugly, but you know, anyway, so, you know, there's externalism, uh, and then, and then you have legalism, which makes a rule out of the externalism. Yeah. And then you develop judgmentalism, mm-hmm. 
which is judging everybody according to this standard. Yeah. Well, there is a standard in the word. And uh, Paul goes through many things, tell, tells us not to be liars, not to, you know, a, right. lot, a lot of things that, right. that he says. He says in Ephesians 5, no sexually immoral person has any thing to do with God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're so far off base. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. care what your testimony is. You know, you've got problems right. and you need to, to deal with it. Well, anyway, lest I get in the weeds on this <laughs> one and can't find my golf ball. Um, the, um, this, the Sunday school teacher, she said all of a sudden, and you know, you, if you think about it, Oftentimes, this is the case, that it's the most legalistic, judgmental people that have the biggest moral failures Mm -hmm. because they're depending on their record rather and their track record rather than Christ. Yes. And so, um, and Colossians deals with that. It says they're actually not even holding the head. The bands that, that hold the head together, the neck, has been, the head's been severed. Mm. They're not holding to the head anymore. Mm. They're like a headless thing walking around, you know, like a monster. And that's what Paul says. So, anyway, she told me, she says, my sister, the Sunday school teacher, she said, she again, she just, the whole church knew her as so, such a, what, a, model of holiness and standard. You know, we've all known people like this. Sure. And um and and an enforcer and a bring she'd bring people up before the the pastor and the council and say, you know, something needs to be done, blah blah blah. You know. I this is our horrible judging sin. Well, she said she had a huge moral failure. I think she had she ended up having an adulterous affair with a with a with a married man and and uh and it all blew up her whole thing blew up in her face and she said she's in such a terrible shape now she won't go to church she doesn't want to talk to anybody now this was years ago hopefully she found some grace somewhere but she and I said well why won't she go to church well she's so embarrassed she's so ashamed she said I was the one that was. I was the one that was the the example to everyone else of holiness. And now I've had this you know, adulterous affair. I've had this huge moral failure. And how can I possibly, you know, return right. to God and that kind of thing? Yeah. Or to the church. And she can't forgive herself. She says, I know God won't forgive me because uh, I've disappointed him. I've been such a disappointment to the Lord and all this kind of talk. Right. See, that's merit-based, mm-hmm. performance-based relationship. Yeah. And it will always fail you. Yes, it will. And it will lead you to do the very thing. Paul said, the thing I hate the most is what I end up doing. Yeah. Think about it. What is it? What sin or in, uh, indiscretion would you hate the most that you would end up doing yourself? Isn't mm-hmm. that something? Horrible. Horrible. So you can see why a person would have a hard time. Um, and there's our scripture there, Romans 7, 14 through 2. Read through that and see if it doesn't relate to what I'm saying. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm telling you, this is serious business here. Right. right? And and so 
you know, this is about, we're still talking about the brother and his attitude. Right. And so, uh, he ends up really in a bad place relationally with the father mm-hmm. because of that, because of he's, his whole thing is, I deserve it. Right. And so, I tell you what, we all deserve, we deserved death, hell, and the grave. Yeah. <laughs> and crucifixion. But Jesus, God's son, took our place. Praise God. And so now we're living in his grace. Right. And we're living in, you know, because of mercy, we have grace. Mm-hmm. And we're living in his favor. That's right. In his divine favor. And then we say, Lord, you know, I'm not making any claim to anything other than I'm a partaker of the divine nature. Yeah. And it's, and that's what I depend on to keep me straight. Right. And, and living in the right way. Amen. Yes, that's so true. There's no other path. There's no other path to holiness, Mm-mm. but through God's grace. You can't get there through works. That's right. Um, there was a, I saw a video just, you know, a couple of years ago that somebody had posted. There was a, uh, Pentecostal denominational church of God. Uh, minister that was very respected in the denomination. His name was Dr. Charles Kahn. He had been a general overseer and, um, had hit and had done great things, you know, for God. And I heard him preaching one time in Alabama at their camp meeting in the tabernacle. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of folks that have a lot of rules. <laughs> And, um, he, he was preaching and he said, you don't cure worldliness, which is a lack of holiness, you know, worldly thinking. Yeah. He says, you don't cure worldliness by passing more laws and rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. He said, worldliness is a spiritual problem. Oh, that's interesting. And you only can cure it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So if we don't want to be, I don't want to be worldly. I don't want right. to think like the world. The world says, we had a president, not our current one, but the one before, I won't call it same, who said, um, it doesn't matter who you love. It doesn't matter who you sleep with. It doesn't matter who you have sex with. He said that. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, that's not what the word says. Now, the world, that's their standard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, okay, that's worldliness. That's the type of worldliness right there. Or it doesn't matter. You know, if you cheat somebody out of money or you do something awful. Right. That's, that's the world's, that's the world's standard. Worldliness, worldly thinking. Right. Anything goes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how do you cure that? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll, you know, you make your rule, but it, it's actually, um, it's actually a spiritual condition. And, you know, we can, we can sit here and quote all the rules and what's right. And you know what's right and what's more all, you know, until our head comes off. And it doesn't change anybody's hearts, Carla. No, it doesn't. Or change our hearts. So how do, how do we avoid the pitfalls that we've seen others fall into? It's, it's by, it's by daily living in the word and living in God's favor and God's grace. And we begin to have the wrong attitudes or thoughts or feelings. We can uh, judge it, and we can apply the word to it and apply his mercy and know that he's for us. He's never standing here with his arms folded trying to see, you know, with his glass on the end of CFEs. 
why God wears glasses. Can you imagine that doctrine? <laughs> his trifocals, the end of his nose, and see if he's, you know, if you're doing the right thing. That all-seeing eye, the, the orb eyeball in the sky, you know, is watching you. Um, you've got God mixed up with, with the CIA. But, uh, you know, a satellite watching. This is not, this is not who God is. No. He's for us, isn't he? And the goodness of God leads oh, yeah. us to change. It's not him being ugly and mean and slapping us with cancer or something crazy. I know, you know, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard people pray for some wayward family member, you know, it's all being the prodigal. Right. And I've heard them say, their prayers, Lord, whatever it takes to bring them back, you know, Lord, just whatever it takes, you know, and, you know, if it's a car wreck, that's fine. If it's, you know, I mean, this is the way. Uh, Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Whatever it takes, Lord. Well, that sounds powerful, but it's not scriptural. The Bible says that goodness is not. One time I was praying for a family member that was, I was concerned about. And, uh, more than one, <laughs> we were praying about it, you know, and, and uh, we we would pray, Lord, show them the error. This sounds really good. This sounds like a really great prayer. Lord, show them the error of their ways. Bring up the things they were taught as a child, Lord. Let them see. You know, so we were praying all that. And the Lord said to me one time, you know, you're praying wrong. <laughs> well, God would know if we're praying wrong. Right? <laughs> yeah. So he said, I said, what? How? I thought I was pretty good. What I was praying. He said, "No, the good." And the, that scripture came up. Where is that scripture? It's a Romans. <laughs> yeah, Romans. Um, the goodness of God. Um, don't you love it when people put you on the spot for a reference? <laughs> I think it's Romans two. I'll look at for it. It's in the New Testament. Yeah. Uh, the the goodness of God brings men's hearts to repentance. Yes. Uh, it never says reading them the rules, reminding them. Right. You know, I've been in those meetings. Let me remind you, mm-hmm. you know, da da da. But Romans two and verse uh, four. Romans two four. Um, the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. Yeah, the goodness of God. What? It leads you to repentance. What's it say in the Amplified? Amplified says it leads you to ch- change your mind and your inner man to accept God's will. Yeah. Wow. See, that's powerful. So we begin to pray for, uh, these people that we, that were, that were on our heart. Mm-hmm. And you know, we saw change. We saw tremendous change come. Um, and there, you know, we're all a work in progress, well, but sure. you know, so I'm not saying that they're, they are, they are now the next Billy Graham or something, but you know, they were, <laughs> they were, uh, or they become a missionary to, you know, Botswana. But I'm just saying that they were, um, you know, where, where there, where there had been a hardness. Right. And, uh, and a defiance mm-hmm. as we begin to, to pray the goodness of God. Let them see the goodness of God. And that will change their hearts instead of, oh yeah, boy, oh, I said that. Oh my God. Oh, I did that. Oh, I feel so bad. Oh Lord, I'm so terrible. So we, we, we almost make the altar calls and all like, come and say how terrible you are for a while. <laughs> and then God will see that you were leaning business this time. That you, you know, I mean, oh my gosh. 
you know. And I had people that I grew up with in in uh church services that were heavy on shame and guilt oh, yeah. for sin. And some of them just finally said, look, I love God and I really love the church, but I, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. So I guess I'm better off just to quit. And they just quit trying. Actually ended up probably as adults, not any worse than anybody else. But, you know, just, just that feeling of, God doesn't accept me. I can't. Yeah. His standard's so high. Right. His holiness is so high and his standard's so high and, you know, that, uh, I can't possibly measure up. Right. But yeah. Christ measured up for us. Yeah. So if we could live in him. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the, the whole thing is about being in Christ, isn't it? It is. You get far away from that and you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you. Yeah.